This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Justin Hartwig, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. This is Two-Tone Uncensored. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, the conductor of the Mike Williams hype train, Matt Necrone. How you doing, Matt? Toot-toot! <laughs> and the man who's been surprisingly quiet on D.D. Westbrook, Glenn Lotzenheiser. What's up, Glenn? That ends tonight. Tonight, tonight we're going to have a conversation, damn it. <laughs> I'm excited to see what you say about him because you haven't talked about him in a little bit. I'm not here to pimp the players. That's their job. And evidently Matt's. <laughs> yeah, well. Pimping ain't easy. have glass, some don't. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, we, got a, we got a big show for you. If you guys couldn't tell already, we're going to continue our college football profile, keep looking at a lot of these teams that have – some great talent coming out of them tonight. We're going to be doing Oklahoma, uh, which Glenn will be covering, of course. Glenn, our resident Oklahoma fan and uh, alumni, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, I am. Right there. Um, so Glenn's going to have that on the second half of the show. Really looking forward to that. Um, and then the first half of the show stays the same. We're going to jump into the mailbag and then the news. So let's get in the mailbag here. Uh, good friend of the show, Brandon Williams, writes in. With J.J. Watt returning, do you think he'll be the same defensive player that he was last year? And if so, how do you think Conklin matches up against him? I think he has to take a step back just based on all the injuries he had last season. I'm not saying I would love to have him on our team. I think he's going to do just fine. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun to see how much better uh, Taylor is and how that matchup goes down, but I think he's going to take a step down, but instead of being like a 99 rating, he's going to be like a 95. It's not that big of a step down. He's still going to be a pain in the ass. Uh, We're going to have to give some help against him because one-on-one, he's probably better than, I'd say, 99% of the uh, left tackles in the league. Yeah, I would say probably so. I think he's definitely still going to be a problem, but he will probably lose a, a small step. There's really no answer for a guy like that. His his motor is ridiculous, and he's his regimen is is absurd. I don't. He eats like ridiculous amount of calories. I don't know uh, how long he's on the shelf. I really haven't followed his injury that closely, but I do know it is a serious injury. So uh, he probably won't come back to 100. percent But like Glenn said, he probably won't won't miss a step. You know, too far. He'll, he'll probably drop about 10 percent in, in production. I expect him to take a small step back, um, maybe not 10%. Uh, you know, he's just a, he's a really good player, and um, <clears throat> I mean, that's an understatement for sure. And even if he does take 10% step back, he's still, I mean, probably top 10 in the league at his position easily. Uh, you know, he's a really great player, and, and I think that um, Conklin's going to be up for the task, but it's going to be very difficult. This is not going to be an easy road. Uh, to beating a guy that has this kind of talent, 
Um, even as good as Jack Conklin is, it's still probably going to be, you know, the hardest matchup, you know, that that he's going to play, um, you know, anywhere. You're not gonna you're not gonna find many guys that have J.J. Watt's skill in the history of the game, let alone currently in the league. So it's it's a tough, very tough matchup. Um, you know, but I think they're going to come up with some stuff that that allow uh, Conklin to have success. You know, the, the zone blocking, getting guys and a, a double team out there to help him. You know, our guards really stepped up last year. A lot of people were sharing the, you know, that we had no guards rated under an 80 on pro football, or no linemen rated under 80 in pro football focused. And, uh, you know, Klein came in and really surprised. I know us three, and at least us three, I know the rest of the fan base had to be probably just as surprised as we were. Uh, Quentin Spain really stepped up this year as well and played some good football. So with the with the pieces that we're at and the guys that we have, I think that that will give Conklin the help he needs to have a successful matchup against uh, a guy that is as good as um, as J.J. Watt is. You can't ever plan on just taking him on solo, which is, is a bad idea. That's how you get your quarterback hurt. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing that, that helps a lot is you have a mobile quarterback back there. You have a guy that can move around and make some people miss. Obviously a big help when you have a guy as good as J.J. Watt barreling down at you. All right, next one up here, um, sent in by Ronnie Sneed. With the Jaguars winning the mythical Super Bowl in March, um, again, he says, will they finally play to their potential? I think they've got a better shot at it than they did last year. Um, they've got a different head coach. Tom Coughlin's in the house, and everybody knows that he's going to hold you accountable uh, for what you do on the field. So there's a chance that they're going to be better. I- I'm not scared of them yet because their offense is still their problem. Um, we'll see what happens with it. But their very good defense got that much better, which is really annoying. So we'll see what happens with it. But i got to see it on the field before I'm going to be scared of them. Yeah, I think that they will improve under Tom Coughlin, but um, they're still the Jags, and then until they get to that point, they're always going to be the Jags. So um, they're definitely definitely going to improve from three and thirteen. That that even shocked me. I didn't think they would be that bad last year, but they were. So um, I was just saying saying to Glenn before the show, I really hope they don't go defense this year because on paper it's looking better and better each year so I, I actually prefer they go offense with their number four pick so I hope they uh go the other way because they don't have a running game and I don't think they did enough to have a running game so far um so I kind of hope they go the other way and don't fix that offense because even though this defense is, is going to be good you can't add that many pieces and keep failing uh, as a defense, uh, but I just don't think their offense is going to be able to support it. You can't. I think Blake Bortles is a pretty good quarterback, but he's not a quarterback that's good enough to lead an offense by himself. You have to have a running game there to help him. Uh, we saw Ivory leave. Or no, that's not it. We saw who left last year? Fred Taylor. Fuck you, Keevan McCardell. I don't know anybody that left last year. Yeah, never mind. He didn't leave. It had two running backs. It was Ivory and what it was his name. All right. We saw them try to to reinvent the running game last year. They brought in Ivory, and and uh, it, just, it just didn't work. And you saw that um, Blake Bortles needs that running game. You know, when you don't have that threat of that running game, 
you can set back there and you know nickel coverage, dime coverage, quarter coverage the entire game, and and let Blake Bortles try to win football games, and that's how you end up going three and thirteen on the season. Uh, you know, as the Jags saw last year, so they need to get a running game going before they're going to be any good. I, I think that this defense is going to be good. I think the Jags' defense is going to take another step forward and then be good, but I just don't think their offense, at least yet, has done enough to impress me. We'll see what they what happens in the draft and what they um, plan to do. You know, they obviously they have some early picks to work with, but I don't know. You can't buy a Super Bowl. We've seen a million teams try to do it before, and we'll see a million teams try to do it again. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll see the Jaguars try to do it a million times more but uh that's not how it works so i'm not really worried about them this year all right and the third question in the mailbag from jondrick fuck how you say that gundry g-u-i-d-r-y gudry <laughs> just roll with it we're good we are <laughs> next one sent in from jondrick gudry um and he says, "Do you think the chances? Or sorry, what do you think of the chances that we take a defensive end early in this draft, like a Hassan Reddick or a Derek Barnett?" Slim to none. Um, I don't see those guys being that number five guy. Really, unless it's going to be someone who has the ability to drop back and play outside linebacker for us, we don't really need a top tier defensive end. Uh, just from the way that we run the 3-4. So I don't see those guys going there because they're going to have to stand up and go play some linebacker. And that's just not worth that pick unless you get just a really top-end uh, guy. Like Miles Garrett, you would make an exception for. Allen, you would make an exception for. Reddick, I don't think so. Yeah, I was just about to say, I think Jonathan Allen may be the only exception in that case. He's probably been the most up and down in, in all the mock drafts that I've seen. Um, but I think if he is there at five, he's definitely a consideration. I don't necessarily want to go that route. Ideally, I want to trade back a few spots and he could actually still be available then too. So, but you know, that, that position something I don't really want to address that quickly, especially at five, let alone, you know, in the top 10, but I definitely don't want to do that. Barnett to me is not an option at five at all, but could be an option at eighteen. Uh, you know, I don't think that Hassan Reddick's ever going to slip to eighteen in this draft, unless you know maybe he's got a picture somewhere floating around of him uh, smoking out of a gas mask bong. But you know, we'll have to see if that happens or not. I uh, I think you you in the first round you have to draft um, talent. You you go for the guy that is the bigger talent, even if it's not quite. You know, your biggest, most pressing need, you don't want to reach here. You know, there's plenty of draft picks later in the draft. So I could see a situation where John Robinson might, um, you know, pull up and try to get a guy, but I don't think it's likely at all. You know, if, you know, Miles Garrett drops back to five, then, like, yeah, you pull the trigger. Like, there's no question you pull the trigger there. Uh, But, uh, you know, maybe at 18 there's a guy that if you – you got someone you really like to five, or maybe you trade back and get more picks. Uh, you know, that's a situation where obviously you would consider going a little bit further away from your needs. But we're a team that's 
we have a really good football team. We have a few glaring needs. So for us, you you need to address those. Uh, you know more than a team that is a little more well-rounded, where you can get away with not addressing uh, the needs quite as early. But I think that's not the situation that we're in. So I think it, the possibilities there. I won't say it's impossible. I just don't think it's very likely at all. And the next one, guys, John Boone asks. Uh, who do you think we're going to end up picking at 5 and 18? I know it's a question we've already answered on the show, but obviously mock drafts keep updating. So who do you guys see us taking at 5 and 18 here? Like Matt has said, I wouldn't mind trading back just a little bit and you know, still getting Mike Williams in there. I'd take him at that point. I also think that Reuben Foster is still in that conversation. Whoever can make the biggest impact is obviously what they're going to do. If it's not... Uh, Mike Williams, I think it's going to be an impact front seven defender of some type. I don't see them going corner that early because there's too many options for corner later on. So Mike Williams, Ruben Foster would be my early ones. And then depending on what you do there, you're taking almost certainly a corner at 18, uh, just depending on what you do as far as moving around. You know, though, you know, I don't see OJ Howard dropping that far. I've mentioned him before, but I just, I don't see him getting to 18. Uh, There's, plenty of other good impactful tight ends that you can go get later so more like more than likely i think we trade back and then we have extra picks to work with we take you know the best player value that we can get at that point and then you start worrying about filling positions later on so i'm going to say you know mike williams and uh Lattimore, but he won't be there at 18 either so, so something like that <laughs> yeah i'm pretty much going to repeat you but i really think that if you know, when you look at the number five overall pick, there's not one guy that screams out, you know, you have to take him. Lattimore is probably the easiest answer there. I don't really necessarily want to do that. I would much rather probably go, you know, if we could trade back a few picks. The only way, if we were going to take a Jamal Adams or a Malik Hooker at five, unless it's a guy like that that you cannot pass on, and I think Jamal Adams may be one of those guys if he's available, I really do want to trade back to get a second-round pick. And and if the value's there to get a Mike Williams at wh- whether it's number eight, number 12, number 14, if, if we're able to do that, or there's still guys out there like, you know, there probably wouldn't be a Lattimore, but maybe there is a Reuben Foster, maybe there is somehow, some way, Jonathan Allen. Trading back four, five, six, seven picks, um, there's a handful of guys that are all of equal value in my mind, and if we can get a second rounder on top of one of those guys, I mean, that just makes sense for me. I would definitely do that as opposed to taking Lattimore at five or, or somebody at five. And for 18, for argument's sake, I'll say we'll trade back a few picks, take Mike Williams and um, – I don't even care who the, who the cornerback is. It won't be Lattimore. It, it could be Conley. It could be anybody, really. I'm going to say that um, I think we're probably going to trade, but in mind I didn't you know, speculate the trade. I just said 5 and 18. If we keep them, uh, and I have us taken uh, Marshawn Lattimore at 5, uh, you know, probably the best overall corner in the draft. And then at 18 – you know, there's a lot that you could do, a lot that it's going to shake out. It's a much harder one to pick, in my opinion. Uh, but I have us taking O.J. Howard still right now. Um, you know, my next mock draft is going to come out on the Thursday, and I still haven't, you know, put it all together. So I'm sure that will change here in the next few days. But, uh, 
Uh, it's it's hard to pick right now, but I, I think that you know if we don't trade back, getting Lattimore or one of the safeties, uh, you know either Adams or Hooker at, at five is probably where we'll go. If we don't trade back at eighteen, there's a lot that you can do there. You know if you get a safety, you want to try to get a corner. There's wide receivers you could possibly go after. You know John Ross is is probably the biggest name that's going to pop up at eighteen because I don't think that Corey Davis and Mike Williams you guys were talking about are going to drop that far. Uh, you know, obviously O.J. Howard that I mentioned. There's a ton of guys, you know, inside linebackers that you could bring up there. Uh, 18, I think, is the biggest question mark because it what really depends what we do at five, and then it really depends how the rest of the middle of the first round shakes out. We always see the crazy picks seem to always start about, like, you know, 9, 10, and then they get, you know, a little crazier as it goes up until, you know, normally twenty mid-20s before they calm back down again. It seems like every year there's a run there in the middle of the draft. So crazy things will happen, and we'll see how it shakes out. But I'll say right now I think Lattimore and Howard is the, who I have us take it if we don't trade. How shocked would you guys be if we traded back on both picks, even if it's only a couple picks away, but on both picks we traded back? I wouldn't be shocked at all. I mean, that sounds like something Robinson would do. Is it something you would want to do? I'd be okay with it. I mean, as long as he still feels like he's getting you know, the player or the value that he wants, I'm fine with it. I think it's just as likely that we trade back first and then we move back up again, just like we did last year, just to go get that other player he wants with that 18 pick, but he wants the guy at round 15. You know, so you trade back from the first, get some extra picks, and then you move back forward with the 18 to get another get get a player that you value a little bit higher. I could see him doing that. If you really, if you break it down analytically, a top 10 pick has a 60% chance of panning out in the NFL. Uh, a second round pick has a 50% chance of panning out in the NFL. So, you know, trading back, you're really shooting about 50-50 that, you know, you have two guys here, one of them is going to pan out, one of them's not, most likely. In that first pick, you have one guy that, you know, it's better than 50%, but not by a whole lot that he's going to pan out. So I, I always am... I've always been in favor of trading back early in drafts. It, you know, it seems like it almost always works out for the team that traded back far more often than the team that traded up. I just think, hypothetically, if we were to get, let's just say, Mike Williams in the top 10 and we, and we did trade back to do that, or 12, whatever the case, um, and then we have ourselves looking at a handful of cornerbacks that, you know, relatively, you know, they may be different in their in their characteristics, but relatively are talent wise about the same i think we could easily trade back into the you know mid to late 20s and, and still get what we want maybe get get two second round picks you know what i mean like i think it's going to be if we if we don't address corner early i think when we get to that 18th pick that there's going to be a handful of guys that we could choose from and we might as well trade back at that point yeah i like i said i, I can definitely see that happening um I expect Robinson to be doing quite a bit of moving around early in the draft. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I think we'll see some stuff shaking out. I think it'll wait until draft. I don't think he's going to do anything before then. But, you know, I do expect us to, to move around here a little bit. But that brings us right into the next question. You know, Jay Russell sends this one in. What teams, if any, do you think could possibly try to move up and, and trade for our fifth overall pick? Honestly, I don't. I don't have a target. Um, it's it's so difficult to tell. The top fifteen in the draft always has something unusual. You know, someone's going to come out, 
doing a bong hit or something like that and screw up the whole first half of the draft. And it's just, it depends on who falls and who's willing to pay the price to jump up and grab them. So I really I don't know who it's going to be and who's going to do what. It's just it's really too hard to tell this year because there's such a consistent level of good players at the very top. And then after that, the next level is you know still very deep at defense. So it just I, I don't know that you see as many coveted players on people's draft boards after like that first ten. And it's and, you know always the top ten is going to be your biggest deal. But I just, I don't know what all you you can expect to move this year, and I don't know who is going to be trading around and trying to make things happen. Latest rumor was Philadelphia at fourteen uh, trading up to get the best available running back. Um, but honestly, I think our best bet is the hype on Deshaun Watson to increase, you know, by draft time and, uh, teams like, you know, the Buffalo bills at 10, I think would be good. Cincinnati possibly could move up at, at nine. I think the best scenario is probably anywhere from, from 10 to 12 with Cleveland Browns at 12 and, uh, possibly even Arizona, at 13. So anywhere in that range is probably likely, but there's really no way to tell. I think it's, it's always going to be a dark horse team that creeps up. It, it all depends on who guys really want to go out and get. When I look at trades this early in the draft, I always look at teams that need quarterbacks because that's far by far and away the most common, uh, you know, trade up is they're going after a quarterback. You look at last year, you know, the top two teams traded away their pick in order to, to get a quarterback. So that I'm looking at the Saints at 11. Drew Brees obviously getting up there. They do not have a long-term replacement right now. Could be something that they would try. Um, one that you know Matt just brought up, the Arizona Cardinals at 13, uh, possibly trying to move up, trying to find their long-term replacement for Carson Palmer. I thought maybe the Redskins earlier, but it really doesn't look like Carson uh, – or sorry, that Kirk Cousins is going to get – moved anywhere that he'll be with uh, the Washington, so that takes them kind of out of the running. And then you kind of don't have anybody until like later on, um, or they pick in front of us. So unless a team that picks in front of us is trying to get, you know, maybe a second first-rounder, if you maybe they'll pick a good defensive player off the top and then a quarterback. Um, but I think the most likely is Arizona at 13. Maybe if they see some teams that are interested or maybe you know if if one of if uh, one of the quarterbacks comes off really early, that might send them into a, you know a little bit of a panic. You know we need to get you know the guy that we like now because you know Mitch is gone or uh, Kaiser's gone or um, Watson's gone, whoever it may be. They might try to move up and, and try to get one of the guys early in this draft. Uh, you know we we have to wait out and wait and see what happens. But normally, I don't like the Philadelphia one because. You don't see teams trade up to get a running back anymore. It just doesn't happen because the value at running back is just not there anymore. Uh, you know, if you're going to trade up this early in the draft, you're almost always getting uh, a quarterback. Um, you know, so that's who I'm going to be looking out for come draft day is teams that need a quarterback and need to move up to get one or possibly pick in front of us but don't get a quarterback and are trying to get back up early in order to get one. For what it's worth, Cam Newton's having uh, shoulder surgery, uh, I think this week actually. So I mean, he should be back by regular season, but you never know, you know, what kind of doubt that puts in the the Panthers. And once you start screwing around with the shoulder on your throwing arm, you, you never know if you're going to come back. Uh, 
he should be fine. He's a young, strong man, so he should be all right. But it, it could end up impacting his entire season. We'll see what happens with him. All right, guys, that's all we have for the mailbag. Thanks, everybody, who submitted stuff this week. We had a bunch of submissions. Couldn't get out to all of them. Um, as always, you can submit each and every week. We put posts on our Facebook page that you can find uh, at Two-Tone Podcast, or you can search Two-Tone Uncensored. It'll come up. Or join the Facebook group, Tennessee Titans Uncensored, where you can find uh, the post every week. Comment your questions there. We always pick the best ones that end up on the show. So let's jump right into the news here, guys. The first one, big news today. Raiders are officially leaving for Vegas now. They had the league vote. It passed 31-1. to The Miami Dolphins are the only team voting against the move. Uh, and still no word on why that was the case. But, you know, overall, it seemed like everybody was in favor of this. And it seems like or now uh, it appears that the Raiders will be headed for Las Vegas. Yeah, and it's a big part of it is is that the casinos and gambling are so much more common all across the country now. I think 23 of the uh, NFL teams have a casino within like four or five miles of the stadium. Uh, I heard that on NFL uh, on a Sirius today. It's it's not the deal it used to be. You can bet your ass that the NFL is going to have the security people sitting there just following every guy on the team and camped out at any of the suspect spots and they're going to know every move that you know the Raiders players make and then when the visiting players come to town they're going to know everything that they do but it's the gambling thing isn't the big deal it used to be uh so I think that it's time for the Raiders to go there um you're guaranteed to sell tickets every week even if that team's shitty because let's face it if you have a choice of going to Cleveland to watch the Titans play or going to Vegas to watch the Titans play you're going to Vegas there's shit to do there all the time um, the city is just always doing something. So if you go there for two days, two days in Vegas is like a week somewhere else. I mean, you, you can do an awful lot of crap in two days plus see a football game. So it makes sense to move there. Everybody makes some money off of this. Um, it's about time they did it, and this grandstanding by the Oakland mayor is just that. It's grandstanding. Oakland never seriously was going to put the money in on it. And honestly, I'm okay with t- cities deciding not to waste money building – billionaires stadiums why why should a city that's having trouble with education or police or anything else any infrastructure issues spend that kind of money to build a stadium for a billionaire let him build something for the city you know um so them going to vegas vegas can afford it they'll make money hand over fist there and without the concerns of gambling you know being what it used to be it makes sense to go there. I, I think it's a good move, and you know the Las Vegas Raiders. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, nothing to add to that. I think Glenn pretty much nailed it on the head. Um, yeah, this is a cool move for me. I, there's no team I think that fits Vegas better than the Raiders would. You know, just the 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 history of the team, the kind of you know the grittiness, the dirtiness of the of the team. You know, now they're going to be in Sin City. I think it's a perfect marriage between a city and a team uh you know i'm excited to to see their future now and it's really like it's it's a long time in the making this is a great thing uh, i think for the nfl this is a great thing for obviously the raiders and you know we were talking earlier that because of this deal every team got a little bit of a a paycheck cut to them uh, because of this move being made so a little money in our pockets which is always nice 
Um, but you know, I think it's I think it's pretty neat. It's pretty cool. I, it sucks for the city of Oakland. I will say that. But if you're not going to put up the money to to renovate a stadium or build a new stadium, which they desperately needed, then you know you're not going to keep your football team. It, it happens a, a million times. It's going to keep happening to cities that get stingy and don't want to put up the money um, every so often to to renovate Houston. or to yeah yeah exactly to to build a new stadium and teams are going to move so. You know, I feel bad for Oakland, but it, you know it's the city's fault. So if you're, you know, burning your jerseys today, it, it's not the team's fault. It's the city's fault. They didn't pay up. Vegas did, and really, it's not that far of a drive for you. It's what, like three hours, probably. Yeah, it's uh, I think two and a half from LA, so it, it's an easy drive to go see the game still. And plus, you're in Las Vegas for Christ's sakes. There's so much else to do when you're done watching the game or before you're watching the game. Make a weekend out of it. Go get arrested. Do something crazy. You can do that at home. It's much easier to do it in Las Vegas. <laughs> Next thing we're going to talk about here, guys. Tony Romo has um, rumored to have been offered a deal to be on CBS's football coverage coming up for the coming up season. Sending out the offer. There's hasn't been any word to say you know his interest in it or not. Uh, for all intents and purposes, I think he wants to come back and play football. Uh, but this could be interesting news because, you know, obviously it looks like Houston still being the front runner in the Tony Romo sweepstakes. We could see him possibly go to TV. What do you guys think about this? If it keeps him out of Houston, I'm fine with it. Tony Romo seems to be a likable enough personality, so if he wants to go do TV, that makes sense to me. It's better than getting your back broken again. Uh, honestly, I think that's probably what he should do. But if, if he's still got something to prove or he just he can't walk away yet, then you know he'll just sit it out there in Dallas and hope that team can get him to a Super Bowl finally or else try to go somewhere where he can win. But if I was Tony Romo, I don't think I would leave and go to a team that I don't believe can get to the Super Bowl and do me some good. And it just doesn't make sense at this point in your career. The only reason you've been playing is that you've been trying to get to the Super Bowl. And so if you leave Dallas and you go to a shitty team that's not ready to win right now, what sense does that make? Um, I'd rather be a backup and get a ring and just get that over with. Yeah, well, I think in Tony Romo's mind, he can make the Houston Texans a winning team, and and I definitely don't want to see that happen. I'd much rather see him go to broadcasting. You know, Dallas is holding on to him tight, and I I think they're trying to get anything for him when they obviously could have already released him um, and didn't. I know a few weeks ago it was between Houston and Denver, I don't think, even though Denver may have a better team built around, obviously excluding the quarterback, they both have great defenses, and they're they're both you know up and coming offenses with with just needing a quarterback to to fill the void. But I think you know he's already has has his home in Texas. Houston's not a far you know travel from Dallas, so Houston makes all the sense in the world. And Houston needs a quarterback badly. Uh, Tom Savage isn't going to get it done, not in our division anyway. So, obviously, I, I really want to see him go anywhere but Houston, and I think CBS makes the most sense. Yeah, I agree. It's purely a question of if he doesn't believe he can make a team a winner, then he shouldn't be a starting quarterback. Uh, if you don't believe that you're going to make the difference, what are you doing in this league? You know, Are you Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean, come on. But I, I, want, I definitely want him to go to broadcasting instead of anywhere else. Uh, that is why, guys, I was going to reach out and offer Tony Romo. You can come 
be part of the Two-Tone Uncensored family. He can't be on the show right away, but he can edit shows for a while, <laughs> and he'll get a he'll get a, a cut of the 34 cents that um, Glenn's making off of the show. And he can work his way up to getting some airtime, though, if he puts in the hours. Eh, that's but, fair. I mean, you got to pay your dues. Right. I'm already paying Glenn. I'm not paying Romo, too. You don't have to. He's, a, he's an intern. Yeah, there we That's go. Um, no, but uh, I think it'll be uh, – I don't think he's going to take the, the CBS gig. I will say that. I think that he wants to play football still. And, you know, I think eventually he will end up, you know, taking one of those deals eventually because why not? You know, if you can get on those, it's a sweet gig. You know, all you, all you do is sit around with other guys that are, you know, Hall of Famers and, you know, all pros – some of the best in history and just talk football there's no reason that anybody wouldn't want to take that gig it, it sounds like a blast um and you get paid a lot to do it so i think you'll do it and he's a likable guy like glenn said i think he'll do great once he does do it but i don't think it's going to be this year i think he really wants to come back and prove that he's got something left especially the way he lost his job you know the guy's a competitor even though he supported you know, the Cowboys supported Dak Prescott. That's not easy to go through. And I'm sure Tony Romo wants to get back out there and prove to everybody that, you know, he's still the quarterback he was. Whether he is or not, you know, that's still yet to be seen. But he wants to try to, to come back and prove it. Uh, but next thing, guys, uh, more Titan-centric here. The Tennessee Titans signed Tim Lolito, the offensive guard, coming over from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, what do you th- what do you think about uh, Loletto so far? Well, I mean, he's a durable guy. He's played a lot of games. He had, you know, he's been a starter for a long time. So he comes in and he puts competition between him, Spain, and Klein. You're going to have two guys playing their best football at guard, and that's basically what this team is about. Uh, we've already talked about how good the offensive line was last year. Klein was the lowest rated guy on our offensive line at 80. 80 is still a pretty damn good number. So I don't know what Tim's number was, but he's going to make these other guys better. And if he doesn't beat them out, then we've got a really good backup. Uh, I think it was a good signing. It's, it's not the kind of exciting signing that you know people like to see, but it makes a strength stronger. And that's what you have to do to be a consistently winning team. Yeah, I mean, I think it adds depth where we need depth. I like the signing. Uh, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I thought it was a good good move. You got a, a durable guy like Glenn said. Not much to add to that. Um, but let's move on to the next thing, a little bit more interesting of a story to end the news today, guys. Uh, we're getting word that Marcus Mariota is, in fact, out of the walking boot, uh, which is great news on his road to recovery, getting back. Uh, you know, it's still, still a long way to go here, but it is a very exciting step learning the news that he will be out of that walking boot and on to the next phase of his recovery. Yeah, he's supposedly out there running on the uh, sand in Hawaii and doing all the little things that you have to do to get back to full strength. It, it's great news. Since it wasn't really a soft tissue injury, it was just a broken bone, uh, I think he's going to come back you know, just fine. All he's got to do is just rebuild some of the strength and flexibility in that foot from having had it in a boot for so long and just not moving. And I have no question he'll be good to go come uh, the preseason. That's boot. 
All right, guys, that's all we have for the news. We're going to take a quick commercial break when we come back, as promised earlier. We're going to talk about this Oklahoma Sooners team with Glenn Lotz and Heiser, our resident Oklahoma fan and expert. So we'll be right back after this. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show, and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necrone. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, then this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey guys, you've heard us talk about Hang 10 Apparel before on the show, and if you haven't checked them out, then you're truly missing out. Hang 10 is the one place to find unique Titans gear that you will not find anywhere else. Whether it's a Maragoda hoodie, a Mahalo Atcha Boy t-shirt, or Mike Keith's Music City Miracle Call on a sweater. There are no flags on the field! It's a miracle! The only place to find it is Hang 10. Just go to hangtn.com to find all this great gear. And while you're there, don't forget to use our promo code 2TONE to get 10% off any purchase. That's hangtn.com, the official Titan shop of 2TONE Uncensored. Tighten up. You're listening to 2TONE Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. All right, we're back from that quick commercial break. We're going to now talk about this Oklahoma Sooners draft prospects this year. They have a not a big class, but definitely a lot of talent here. Uh, and, Glenn, you're the resident Oklahoma fan. Normally we bring people on, but since we already had you on the show, uh, you know, waiting for this when we thought we'd just use you. And the first guy I wanted to talk to you about, is probably you know the one that everybody's most familiar with because of his off the field incidents. Uh, running back Joe Milks, and you know he's obviously a talented kid, but uh, the video that surfaced uh, of him striking a woman definitely hurt his his draft stock. It seems like he's been you know climbing back since then. Um, you know, I just what do you have to say about the you know the whole situation there with the video coming out and um, where? he is now and what I, what he's had to overcome to get there. Uh, you know, the, the, the video, what it shows you is that he got in a fight. He got in a fight with a woman. Um, everybody keeps talking about it being a domestic uh, violence situation. It's not. He doesn't know that chick. They're, they, they're not hooking up. They don't live together. It's not a domestic abuse situation. So that, that's the thing that everybody says that kind of annoys me is you, you see it uh, when you're reading articles about him, that he's got a domestic violence issue. It's not domestic. They were in a restaurant. They didn't know each other. I don't know what the argument was about, but they were yelling at each other. They got in each other's face. You've all seen the video. She laid hands on him. 
he knocked her out. <laughs> I mean, well, you, you don't lay hands on another person, and if you do, you take that chance. I'm not defending him. It's not something I would have done. I think it was ridiculous. I also don't go out and get in fights, you know, in my afternoons. It's not something I enjoy doing. Um, if I wanted to fight somebody, I'd strap on some gloves and we can go to the gym. I'm not going to get in a brawl out in the you know, public. But, you know, he, he was a young man. She scratched the shit out of him. He knocked her out. It's not an it's not something you can excuse, but it's something you can move on from. You can move past it. Now, I don't like that he then later, you know, tried to bump a meter made with his car because she was giving him a ticket like she didn't know who he was. You know, where have you heard that lately, Foster? Uh, so he obviously has problems with uh, women and confrontation. Uh, from my understandings, he's been a good citizen since then. His interviews have gone well. He's apologized to everybody, anybody and everybody who will listen. It's a bad look. I don't think the NFL wants him in their league, but they can't legally stop him. There are definitely teams that are going to take him off of their list because of it. Uh, absolutely, there will be teams that go, we don't want to deal with that. Uh, we don't want to have to deal with the bad publicity that comes with it, whether it was a fight or you know, just him punching a woman. Whatever the situation was, they don't want to have to deal with that because they don't need that player that bad. However, he is that good of a player that somebody's going to be able to rationalize that she hit him first, that it was a fight, not a domestic violence situation, and they're going to be able to rationalize it enough that they go ahead and draft him anyway. It's going to happen, so we might as well just get over that part of it and just look at him as a football player. Um, well, Glenn, when was yeah. this traffic incident? The traffic incident was uh, the next semester, I believe, where he was parked on uh, – he was trying to find somewhere to park over there on campus, which, you know, being an alumni, I can tell you it's ridiculous. And so he was on the circle um, on one of the ovals, and he parked there, and she was giving him a ticket for it, and he thought it was bullshit. I agree that it's bullshit because they shouldn't be ticketing you for parking there. Uh, whenever I first went to campus, I parked on the same oval. I didn't have to bump a meter made for it, but I parked at that same oval because I couldn't find anywhere else to park, and I was just coming there to see the but campus. Let me hold on a second. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe um, because I've never heard this before. So this is all new to me. He bumped her with his car. Or... He he was in his car and she was trying to block him from leaving so she could finish giving him a ticket. <laughs> now, I, I don't know how that went down. I don't know if he was moving and she jumped in front, <clears throat> or if she was standing there and he was just kind of just trying to nudge her out of the way. I don't know how it went down. Dude, I don't think that's common knowledge because I've never heard that. And after hearing that, there's no way I would take somebody with that kind of fucking. <laughs> that, that's crazy. Like, I, I, I know. It, it's it's one of those. He's got some issues with women in authority, so maybe not dealing with Amy Adams is his best thing. No, probably not. Um, you know, so he, he's not an issue for us. Uh, but I, I got, like I said, he he's got his issues. Uh, he's apparently been a model citizen ever since then. You know, he's he sat out for a year. Uh, there's arguments that he should have sat out longer, but that's a college thing. It's got nothing to do with the pros at this point. Uh, but let's go ahead and just talk about the player because uh, he, he's got his issues. Yeah, we've now revealed some another new what the fuck moment for him. Um, he, he didn't run the lady over. He just nudged her. I guess I, I'm not sure how it went down. I, I've nudged people in the parking lot before for walking in the middle of the aisle. You know, I'm a dick. 
So when he's not punching at women or running people over in his car, um, a lot of people are saying he's the number one running back coming out of the class, even above Leonard Fournette, who's gotten a lot of praise. Would you say that's an accurate statement? Well, I mean, l- let's look at the guy. Uh, he's six foot one. He's two hundred twenty-eight pounds. So he's he's a big man. He's got some weight to him. He's not overly heavy. Uh, he ran a four four seven four five on his pro day because he wasn't allowed to go to the combine. His verticals are thirty five, about middle of the class. He um, does not have standing ability to go up, but he's a running back. He's not jumping that many people. His broad jump was you know, right at ten feet. His shuttle was four three two, which is actually faster than the receiver that we're going to talk about next. His uh, he benched twenty one times, so physically he's a specimen. He's broad shoulder. He's got thick legs. He's got a slim waist. Everything you want in a running back, he's got. He's he's fast. He, he's agile. He's got hands. He's a three-down back. I would say he's the most complete running back in this class. It depends on what you want to do as far as if he's your best running back. Uh, but he's not the fastest. He's not the strongest. He doesn't have the most amazing hands. He's not the most agile but he's in the top five of all those categories. And he can return kicks. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a powerful pass blocker. He, he snaps the pads whenever he blocks somebody. So as a football player, he's a specimen. He is the best running back at Oklahoma since Adrian Peterson. And yes, that includes DeMarco Murray. He's, you know, like I said, fast, strong, light on his feet. He's everything you want in a running back if you're playing Madden. Because in Madden, he can do whatever the hell he wants off the field. It, it doesn't affect him. <laughs> you know, looking at his pros and cons, the comparison I keep hearing is Ezekiel Elliott. He's got the same measurables as Elliott. Also, a very productive college player. Uh, three down, back. Uh, excellent burst. He go to get from the first level to the third level really quick. It's, it's not about the second level to him. If he gets past the line, he's probably getting you know 10 yards um, he's got all the moves he, ju- he has the jump cut spins uh, he'll hit the truck stick on you he stiff arms he's a he's an elusive and powerful player at the same time he runs good routes he's got soft hands uh, he, if he gets the ball in space he has the uh, <laughs> he, if he gets the ball in space he's got the uh, quickness to do damage after the catch um, he's just, he's definitely the most complete back, not quite as powerful and not quite as inventive uh, in his running as Fournette and Cook, not quite, you know, Christian McCaffrey receiving the ball, but he's the next guy up after those guys. So you're doing pretty good across the board with him. The cons that you would have on him would be as a ball carrier. He's not that inventive. He's a little too patient. Sometimes, uh, he's a little too late deciding on what hold to take. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, he'll, he'll get better as far as his decision-making goes, but he's not as explosive as far as when he decides he's going to the right and he's taking the outside angle, he sometimes misses the, the back cut where he could go and gain another five yards. So he commits to that three-yard gain and denies himself the explosive cut sometimes. So he's not Le'Veon Bell, but he's that style of player, I think. I think that as far as Elliott's concerned, Elliott's a more decisive runner, whereas he looks a lot more like Le'Veon Bell in his patience. 
in the backfield coming up and finding his hole. I was going to ask you about one thing that a lot of people has listed as a con of his uh, on the field is uh, the field vision. And it's not that he's as terrible field vision, uh, but, you know, it's just average for a player that's very unaverage. You know, as you've been talking about, a lot of things he does very well. Uh, You know, just average field vision. How much do you think that needs to improve for him to have long-term success in the NFL? I think he's going to have long-term success anyway. He's not Bishop Sankey. Um, you know, San- Sankey had great measurables, but he-, he couldn't make a decision on what to do, no matter how long he had uh, time sitting back there. He- he's um, he definitely has to improve his carrier vision. Um, his decision making is a little too patient. It's something that he'll get better at in the NFL, I think. Just as he realizes that the speed is so much faster in the NFL, he has to be quicker about what he's doing. In college, he's athletic enough and strong enough that he can be a little bit too patient and still get it done. In the NFL, he's going to have to be a lot snappier about his decision-making. So it's uh, something he'll develop, but it doesn't mean he can't come in and be your number one back from day one. One of my fondest memories of Joe Mixon was when he got knocked out of the game against Clemson in the uh, <laughs> the playoffs <laughs> two years ago. Yeah, that was a pain in the ass for the rest of us. <laughs> Um, Glenn, with the you know the type of player he is, the the quality of player he is, and you know the the red flags that he has, everything mixed together. Where do you think we're going to see Joe Mixon go um, when his name gets called? Well, I mean, it's going to come down to an owner signing off on him. It's not going to be a coach or a GM making decisions. The owner is going to have to say, "I'm okay with this guy being on this team. I will deal with it, whatever backlash I have." Um, there, there's a legitimate concern that he might cost you a sponsor. Um, if you go to a big enough city where things are a little bit more politically correct, you're going to have, a, you know, in my opinion, a bigger issue. Uh, he's going to have to go to the right type of team, the right type of owner. So he's going to fall back. Um, I, he's got you know, top 10 talent. I'd say late first round all the way down to possibly the early third round. It's just it's going to be really dependent on where he goes and how that team is going to deal with his baggage that he brings. If he never does another thing wrong, he's never going to make it into the Hall of Fame because he knocked a chick out and got caught on camera doing it. Uh, so that, that's, going to, that's going to follow you forever. Um, I would say likely spots for him, the Vikings. Um, Adrian Peterson's gone. They're kind. They're you know don't don't get me wrong. Minneapolis St. Paul's a is a big city, but it also is the kind of city where he could go and he's not going to be just bombarded by media all the time. Uh, so the Vikings would be a good spot for him because they're used to having a, a running back who's got maybe a little tarnish on his image. Uh, Adrian Peterson was the choir boy of the NFL until we found out that he beats his kids with sticks. Um, you know, so if, if, you, if you're following that, maybe that's not so bad. You know, maybe he could end up there. Um, a scarier prospect to me would be if he went to Jacksonville. You know, if the Jacksonville Jaguars took him in the second or third round, we've got a whole new problem on our hands with Jacksonville because now they've got a running back who can win games. Um, so that that would be a scarier spot for me. But really, I, I think he's anywhere in the second, third round, uh, depending on how far he can fall. All right, let's move on here from Joe Mixon to D.D. Westbrook. 
Uh, Glenn, this is a guy that had fantastic production this season. Uh, you know, really stepped up and, and played phenomenally. You know, smaller receiver, but uh, became very known across college football for making big plays. Uh, you know, and what do you think? You know, what kind of value does that have at the NFL level? Well, uh, so there's going to be different questions about Didi. Uh, he was the next man in for the Sooners this year, you know, stepping up after Sterling Shepard left. He's a taller guy. He's faster. He's got the same incredible hands that Shep had. Uh, he's also a lot slimmer. Uh, he's 178 pounds at six foot. So he's not a big guy. Uh, he's tall. Uh, Shep was 5'10". He's six foot. He's got better range, better reach. Um, I think he's a more agile player than Shepard is, but Shepard's a lot stronger. Westbrook threw up eight bench reps, eight. That, that's not impressive. You know, Shep threw up, I think it was close to 20. Uh, so Shepard was obviously a much stronger guy, uh, much more durable and able to knock people, you know, avoid getting knocked off of his routes. He's not as sudden. Uh, his shuttle run, uh, four three nine, tells you he winds up a little bit more for all that speed. Uh, he did run a four three eight four four for his 40 time. So he's got all kinds of speed, but he's not quite as sudden as, say, Joe Mixon was. Uh, Joe Mixon ran, I think, a 4.33 for his shuttle, and Westbrook ran a 4.39. And he's 30 pounds lighter. But he, we'll find out in the NFL if he can be your deep threat against teams that can drop a safety back there with him. But covering this guy one-on-one is a nightmare. You know, a lot of people have, have wondered if he's going to have this size to play on the outside or if he's strictly going to be a slot guy. What do you have to say about, like, what do you think he's going to end up being in the NFL level? It depends on what you want to use him and what you want to class him as because uh, he's fast enough and he runs really good routes. Um, he, he's not quite Amari Cooper in his route running, but he's really good. He knows how to get you to turn your hips the wrong way. He knows how to make you commit in the wrong direction. His double move is sick. Um, he can play outside. It just depends on if, you know, like what Clemson did to him, where they, they've kind of forced him towards the boundary. Uh, they bodied up on him. He's not big enough to move a defender off of him, and he's not heavy enough that he can stick to his route if you decide to challenge him in his route running. The problem is, is if you try to get close and grab him, he can leave you in the dust and make you look terrible. Uh, so I think he can play either spot. Uh, he can be inside. He can be outside. I don't think he can be your over-the-middle receiver, though. So I think he's kind of forced outside, forced going deep. Uh, on a team like the Titans, we would use him a lot like we used you know, Kendall Wright, where you have your two main guys who they're, they're not as blazingly fast, but they go out there and they run good routes, and they, they, they make possession catches. He's got incredible hands, so he can make you those possession catches. But you're going to be streaking him across the field and challenging teams to keep up with him. Um, he, he's going to be your guy who you takes shots downfield. So as far as how he's going to get used in the NFL, it's just going to depend on if he's durable enough and he put on a little bit more strength and keep that speed. We'll see what happens with him in the NFL. There were people comparing him to Brandon Cooks, obviously not quite as fast as Brandon, but taller and just as dangerous going deep. Where do you see him going in the draft, and also where would you be comfortable taking him in the draft? I think he's a second-round guy. Uh, if you have a real need, 
you, you could take him at the end of the first, but I think second round's more where he's going to be. I can't see him get to the third because, like I said, he has that Brandon Cook's ability to him, but he's taller. You know, so if you're if you're looking at a guy that you need a difference maker, you need someone to open up the defense, someone to, to demand deep respect every time he's on the field, or someone you can bring on a crossing pattern and bring out across um, over towards the sideline and let him get free and you know just turn it up the field. He's got lots of value. I think he's a better receiver than Brandon Cooks is as far as his hands go. He's going to be more consistent. He's going to get you better balls. This guy is like a rubber band as far as the way he can move his body. The things he can do to contort himself and still make catches one-handed if he has to, he's, he's going to get you the ball. He's going to end up being a second-round guy somewhere in there. I mean, 25% of his catches were for 25 yards or longer last season. Let's move on here to the other running back, a talented guy I don't think a lot of people know of. And being a West Virginia fan, uh, you know, I sure have seen a lot of him. Uh, I know the West, my West Virginia guys have seen way too much of the backside of his jersey. That's Samaje P. Ryan, another good running back here. Not quite as talented as Joe Mixon. Where do you think you see him as his future? Where do you think you see his ceiling at as an NFL running back? Uh, I mean, Smash is a bad motherfucker. If you don't know who he is, then you missed the 2015 season. Last season, Mixon kind of overshadowed him, but when he had the field all to himself, P. Ryan, he set uh, the record for most yards in a game. He had 427 yards and five touchdowns against Kansas a couple years ago. His college production is incredible. He's an incredible college football player. In the pros, as fast as defenses are, that 4-6-5-40 time of his, it, it's going to hurt him. Um, his shuttle was a four three seven. He, he's got quickness um, that you wouldn't expect from a man of his size at five eleven two thirty three. He's not Joe Mixon though. Um, he's he's strong. He put up thirty bench reps. That's one of the things everybody was talking about. Only five offensive linemen managed to uh, out bench him. So he's he's got a real ability to be productive. He's a grinder for you. He can carry the ball all day long. Uh, but he's kind of what. Um, I would say um, the Jaguars threw out there last year. You know, a, a powerful back, someone who's got enough speed to get to the second level, but not really the third. He can catch the ball better than you know you would expect from a power back, but he's not a three-down threat. Uh, I'd say he has better vision than Joe Mixon did. He's uh, definitely more capable of seeing the holes but without the ability to turn his body and take advantage of them. If you put his ball carrier vision into the package that Joe Mixon has, Joe Mixon would easily be the best back in the league. Well, luckily that's not the case, Glenn. So. Yeah, because we wouldn't have drafted him anyway. <laughs> that's right. As far as his ceiling goes, I would say his uh, ceiling is Michael Turner, um, you know, the cannonball from Atlanta. He gets things done in the short yardage. He can break them long because he's so hard to tackle. Uh, if your dynamic first-team guy goes down, he's going to be able to come in here and fill in just fine. You, you can build an offense around a guy that, like, like this, a uh, punishing downhill runner. But odds are in the NFL, he's a fourth or fifth-round pick. Do you see him getting any return action? No, you, you wouldn't want to use this guy to return the ball. You might put him on special teams and go let him knock somebody out. Well, I don't think we want. I don't think we want either Oklahoma running back. But, no, not, uh, not on this team. Uh, he, he's he's not as fast and productive as uh, Henry and uh, Mixon 
why I think he's a better technical back than uh, Murray. There's absolutely no reason you would trade Murray out for a guy who knocked a girl out. That's fair. Or vehicular homicide, whichever. Well, he didn't hurt anybody. He just <laughs> didn't. <laughs> Dude, that, the, the, my, my Oklahoma crew here is not signing examples of, you know, model citizens. Yeah, They're Baker Mayfield boys. got arrested. <laughs> got arrested. He got the shit kicked out of it, it looked like. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. Smash P. Ryan is a model citizen. Yeah, he loves his mama. He, he plays hard. He works hard in practice. Uh, it, it's, if you wanted a great guy for your team, he's an excellent choice. He's a team first player. He he sat de- he sat back and let Mixon come on the field and never bitched. I never heard one thing anybody had to say about him being upset that he wasn't getting more carries. Um, so he's a team first player. He's a model citizen. He's the only guy out of the four guys we're talking about here that you can say that about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll admit those two were probably the best one-two combination in the country when you know, and both of them are on the field. Unfortunately for Mixon, man, it's just he, he's got so much talent. It's just it's wasted, really, in my opinion. I know somebody's going to take him, but you know, he he definitely could be in a way better position. Yeah, I mean, he he could be you know top five, top ten player, but he fucked his life up, and he's going to have to pay for that for the rest of his career. Uh, we'll see what happens with him. Um, the thing is, a lot of people don't seem to understand. Didi Westbrook, and I've mentioned this on our show before. Didi Westbrook has got an actual domestic violence issue in his past. Um, it was covered <laughs> really? up back in Texas. Uh, of course he, I, he does. He's an Oklahoma boy. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, we, we bring the guys from Texas who like to beat women up, apparently. Uh, but you know, it's, o- West- it's okay. It's okay here in Oklahoma. <laughs> it's like you know what? Come on up here. We can handle this, all right? We'll all get fucking drunk and go knock some chicks out. Uh, but no, Westbrook, he punched his girlfriend. I can't remember if it was something where like, she was pregnant or she was wanting him to do something. But back, it was either in high school or right after high school. He uh, punched his girlfriend, and everybody in town covered it up. It took them three years to dig that shit up, um, which is, I think is part of the reason why he's coming out now. It's not talked about nearly as much because the town sheriff covered it up, his mom covered it up, the girl covered it up, her family covered it up, and it took someone from Oklahoma going down there and digging it up to make that thing come to light, and it still didn't get any play because there was no video, and let's be honest, Joe Mixon was on his team. Uh, Mixon's tape actually may help him a little bit because it shows that he did. it was an unprovoked situation where he punched somebody. It doesn't help him enough to get past that issue come you know draft day. But at least, you know, if you're going to have a video on there, you can show that you didn't hit him first. That's the only thing you can say about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, you know, everybody deserves a second chance, but I think playing in the NFL is a privilege. And uh, unless, you know, I, for me, it's a no any way you look at it. But, uh, I mean, I know there's people out there that will look past it, and that's that's more of a business decision than it is, you know, personal yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like an owner's going to have to sign off on it that he's willing to take that hit from potential, you know, advertisers, relationships they have with their community. They're going to have to be willing to take that chance. But he's going to get the chance to go out there and do community service and be involved in groups and talk about things. And, you know, he, he's going to have a chance that any of us wouldn't have gotten. If any of us were on tape having knocked somebody out and broken her face, 
I promise mm-hmm. you there would be absolutely no discussion on a high-profile opportunity like the NFL. Yeah, I mean, look at Ray Rice. You know, That's that, exactly the guy I was going to bring up. That girl married him after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and he, he hasn't gotten his second chance. So A big part of Ray Rice's problem is not just that it was on tape, not that she said it, that that was his partner, you know, whether she married him or not. I mean, that was a pure domestic violence issue. It looked almost unprovoked. Never any time is it okay to punch somebody for something that they just say. And the biggest issue he had and why I think he never got another shot is because he was already at the tail end of his career. He was 28, I believe, when that happened. Um, There's already questions that he had lost a step, that he wasn't quite as explosive as he used to be. And you're not going to bring a guy in who can't still produce at the very top level. And so that that's, you know, that's Mixon's advantage is that he's young and he's just now starting. So they can still get eight, nine productive years out of him and deal with that. And then hopefully everybody just forgets it in time. All right, Glenn, let's move on to the, the last guy here, um, Charles Walker. And I know this is a guy that you're not very fond of after his <laughs> – his actions um, this season. Will you walk people through that and exactly um, why you're not the highest on Charles Walker? Yeah, I'm definitely on record as uh, not being a fan of Charles Walker. He quit the team to go work on his draft uh, capabilities, to go improve himself for the combine. And he did that after playing four games this season. Played four games, he got a concussion, which was his third um, in three years. But then he took a month off and apparently wasn't going to film study, uh, wasn't uh, involved in team events. Rumors started coming out that he was going to go ahead and quit the team and just go to the draft. Uh, It caused a lot of people to question his love of the game. Uh, Locally, everybody was against him because it just, it was a bad look. He didn't have any heart. He's quitting the team in a season where we really need him, and he was having a good season. Uh, his first four games, he played very well. Not great, but very well. Played well enough the season before that even though he'd never started a single game, he got recognition at, you know in the conference honors as a backup defensive lineman. He's got size. He's got strength. He's got agility. He, he's, the, he's the big cat that you want as like a defensive end. And then he shows no real passion for the game. Um, that month he took off where he just kind of just, you know, whatever to the team, that that ruined a lot of people. That soured a lot of people's opinion of him. And then he quit the team to go work on the draft after having started four games as a college player. If you do something like that, you should probably have a lot of tape showing that you're a great player, not four games worth of tape showing that you're a good player. Yeah, he's not even a high prospect, really. I mean, he no. is, but he's not one of the best, you know, his position. He, he's in the middle of the group as a defensive lineman. Right. Um, he, he's got high upside, but you have no idea what he could really do. He's a, he's a destructive player. He's a destructive pass rusher. He can set the edge well. He has good hands, you know, good burst and pursuit. He has a lot of really good things about him but you don't have enough evidence that he can do that on a regular basis. And he was already a very inconsistent guy. It had an inconsistent motor. was a lot of what a lot of people said about him. So if you're not, if you've got a whopping four games of a starter tape as a college player and you're going into the draft, you should maybe 
be one of the top guys in the draft. You, at least you would think so, right? I mean, I would think, man. Um, and you you talked about it a little bit that you know he's middle of the 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 class of his position. Um, you know, and he's kind of had this up and down. He's a little inconsistent, but he is disruptive. A lot of people are touting him now because of where he's likely to be drafted as you know a possible big steal of the draft. Some people have gone as far as to say he will be this the steal of the draft. And I know you don't like them. I like him, but uh, do you see that being a possibility for um, Charles Walker? Absolutely. And the reason that the thing is, it's all about perspective. If you take a uh, first round player in the third round, he's a steal of the draft. Uh, you take a I'd say about a third round talent guy in the fifth round, which is where I think he's likely to go. He's going to be a steal because he's so much more gifted than his draft position. Um, he's going to fall down from lack of tape, uh, inconsistent motor, uh, people questioning his heart. Uh, there, there's questions about him. that are going to knock him down. He's also not what I would call a natural block shedder. Um, uses his hands really well to keep blockers off of him. But if his first move doesn't work, he tends to just kind of lay there. Um, he, he, he settles for just holding his position. And it's one of the questions that we had about Austin Johnson, honestly, that if his first move didn't work, he wasn't always the best fighter at that point. The problem that Walker has is that if he doesn't win that first move, he can be moved off the spot, whereas Austin Johnson does a good job of setting. It's like, okay, he's not making any positive impacts, but he's not hurting you. Whereas Walker, you can move back off the spot. He can set the edge well but he can't hold up the middle of the line. Um, A power blocker will just push him backwards in open space. So he's not that inside guy. But he's going to be drafted. He's going to be drafted probably later than his physical ability says he should be. But he's going to get drafted because there's going to be a line coach who looks at him, says this guy is quick for a big man. He's agile. His uh, hands and his feet work together, which is a problem a lot of guys have. A lot of these big men, they're really good hand fighters, so they have really good foot movement, but they can't do both. Charles Walker can do both. Um, he, he uses his feet and his hands together to, you know, to swim on people, to make good movements. He just doesn't do it all the time. So that, that's his problem. Is he's inconsistent, and he has you know, questions about his willingness to work hard enough to succeed at the next level. So he's going to get drafted. I'm thinking fifth round, somewhere in there. Dude, I've learned a lot about Oklahoma football tonight. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you you throw, from everything you've told us, throw DGB's fucking crazy ass into the mix. What is it about Bob Stoops and Oklahoma that attracts these kind of players? It's more so what about those guys attracts Bob Stoops? You know, he's the one out there recruiting him. He's the one signing him. I think Bob Stoops is a little bit like the old Raiders coaches or a little bit like the Bengals. He thinks he can take these guys with challenges, but immense talent, and he can, you know, he can make them better people and then use their talent to win games. Well, I mean. He's wrong. He's wrong. <laughs> Bob Stoops wins a lot of games. Oh, no, he wins a lot, a lot of, of games. games. The better people part was where you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's. I just, I don't, it's frustrating for me being here and watching them bring in guys that I'm like, eh. But at the same time, they're really talented football players. 
it, it's just it's the nature of college football. You've got to win games, so you bring in some guys that are maybe not the model citizens you'd like them to be, and you try to put a supporting group around them. It doesn't always work out that way. You know, guys who are stupid are going to be stupid. Uh, they're just they're going to do it anyway. Of these guys, you know, Westbrook, he, he screwed up back before he ever went to college, uh, and has reportedly had no issues since. Uh, Mixon got in a fight and then disrespected a meter maid, but has had no issues since. Um, Walker, the reason I don't like him is because his issues are as a football player. Uh, you you have every reason not to like him. That's in my mind as a college football fan. That's selfish as fuck. Like I, I wouldn't like him either. If I what were do you here. think? What yeah. do you think NFL coaches look at that? Like if you look at a guy that say you have two guys that are equal talent, you know, equal size, equal speed, equal skills. Uh, one of them has and you know a violent off the field incident. Uh, one of them has uh, an incident where they just quit on the team. You know which which one of those two guys do you think you would take? For me, if my job is to win football games, I, I take the guy who had the bad act, the bad incident, as opposed to the guy who quit the team because he wants to go make some money in the NFL. I don't think Charles Walker plays past his rookie contract. I don't think he's going to go in there and he's going to do the work necessary to stay in the league. He's going to go have a cup of coffee. He's going to make some money so that he can support his family. And then he's not going to have the heart to stay in the league. Um, it's just It's about him and what he can get. And it's not wrong to want to go to the NFL to get money to support your family. That's not wrong. Lots of guys do that. But usually they skip the senior bowl. They, uh, you know, they, they, we've seen it before where guys skip bowl games, and that was questionable. But, you know, you, you played out your season at least, and you got your team that far. You, you can't have a guy who quits the team four weeks into the uh, season. You know, especially a guy who's only got those four weeks is his game tape. You know, he showed quite a bit as a sophomore, but as a junior, he played four games and quit the team. That That's not a draftable guy to me. But you're going to find guys you know, in the NFL, because just like the players have to believe in themselves, the coaches have to believe in themselves. There's going to be a coach who says, you know what? I can make that guy a superstar. He's going to be a guy who says, with the – measurables he has and what tape I do have on him. I can work with this guy. I can motivate anybody. I can get him there. So someone's going to take him. It just wouldn't be me. Well, thanks, Glenn. And that gave us a lot of insight there. A lot of great stuff on these guys coming out of Oklahoma. Uh, you know, a lot of guys to look at there for sure. You know, great stories of beating people up and road rage gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this. Of these guys... Small JP run is the only guy I would let date my daughter. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the <laughs> that's the test. That's like you know how they always say the president. They always ask people, "Is which one of these would you want to have a beer with?" That's the test now for NFL coaches. Would you let this guy date your daughter, <laughs> Glenn? Yeah. For the for the record, how old is your daughter? <laughs> that, that alone puts them in jail. But that's not really the point. That that would be Oklahoma right there. No, <laughs> Arkansas next state over. Now I, I got an 11 year old and a two year old, so obviously that's not really the question. I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, I knew the answer. I was. I know. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> All right, uh, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks, uh, big thanks to Glenn for you know leading us down that path and give us a lot of information to work with there on Oklahoma. 
Uh, thanks for Matt as always being on. Check out hangtn.com. It's hangtn.com for the best Titans apparel money can buy. Uh, and as always, check us out next week. We have a few more of these left to go, these college football profiles. And then uh, the week of the draft, we'll be unveiling our final um, full Tennessee Titans mock draft every round we're going to do. So pretty excited about that. A lot of stuff coming down. And, you know, as always, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. Party. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like us on Facebook.